Christmas presents be placed under the Christmas tree? May seem like an obvious question, but it might get you a visit from more than Santa. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a dark and wet England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your honey and almond porridge? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room. It's open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Gosh, it's Monday morning after my busiest weekend of the year. The busiest and one of the most exciting. But before I say anything else, there are puppies in the chat room. <clears throat> Sorry, still getting over the cold. There are puppies in the chat room. That's so lovely, Jacqueline. Beautiful little puppies. Oh, want one so much. How many puppies? One, two, three, four, five. Five lovely, fluffy furballs. Well done, Jacqueline. That is such good news after things went a bit wrong before. If you remember Jacqueline saying a couple of months ago in the chat room, we're all waiting for puppies. You remember she ended up not having any live puppies. It was very sad. But there they all are. They are so beautiful. And mummy doggy looks so contented. <clears throat> but here's my question. Sorry. <coughs> I'm sinking fast. I'm not I'm actually on the way up. Yes, most busy weekend of the year for me this week. Weekend just gone. It was Panto weekend. Three children all taking part in an ice show and it was wonderful. I watched four out of six of the performances. That's how um, overexcited I get. Pretty much camped out at the side of the ice rig. But it was so beautiful. Over a hundred skaters all done up to the nines, looking absolutely lovely, skating so beautifully. The show gets better and better every year, it really does. And do you know something, this probably sounds crazy, but I get very emotional when I see my children skate. I just, I think somehow you, you are aware of all the work that goes into it, all those hours. And I cried every single time, loved it, but gosh, I really cried every single time I watched the show. And now it's Monday morning and they're all feeling a bit meh because they've got the sort of post-show hangover, all the adrenaline suddenly dissipating. So it's going to be an interesting couple of days. Please say a little prayer for my daughter, Francesca, who has to have two teeth pulled out tomorrow and another two teeth pulled out the following week because she's having braces. Um, and it's not a great deal of fun, let's face it. Nobody likes going to the dentist, but having teeth pulled is pretty unpleasant. So big prayers that that goes all well, please. And yes, my initial question, should you put presents under the Christmas tree? I would have thought this was a non-question, really. We all put presents under the Christmas tree, don't we, Denise? Saying presents under the tree, of course. Do you all put presents under the Christmas tree? Um, I know in some countries there are slightly different traditions, um, a priest was telling me he's part Italian, part Portuguese, that their tradition was that Father Christmas placed the prezies at the bottom of the bed. He said that was the lovely thing, that you'd wake up in, in the early morning, on Christmas morning, slightly head slightly foggy because you'd had a late night with midnight mass, and you'd feel the weight of the presents at the end of the bed, you know, you'd stretch out your legs and you'd feel the weight of the presents. Think, yay, it's Christmas morning, all that excitement. 
And he said he realised there was no Father Christmas. The year that he woke up and he was feeling for the weight of the presents and there were no presents. There was no weight. And he's thinking, no, 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 he's forgotten me. I, I have no presents. And then he heard out on the landing his mother saying, darling, darling, you've forgotten the children's presents. And he said, this hairy Italian bloke with, with in a string vest came creeping in and dumped a whole lot of prezzies at the end of my bed, not really I was awake. And, I, and, I, and, I, and that, that was Father Christmas. Um, but there we are. So that was where the prezzies went in his case. They went at the end of the bed. But I've always known presents to go under the tree. Anyone have any variants on putting presents under the tree? Um, I think it's pretty much universal, certainly in the Western world today. But the police, believe it or not, Lincolnshire police here in England have told people not to put presents under the tree. We should end this tradition. Uh, Maggie saying horse presents go under the tree. If you have one, if you don't have a tree, you make two. Yes, well, they've, they've, there's been a, a big advert. Uh, it's called, and they're, they're calling it Operation Rudolph. <laughs> I just love this. The, the, the police would think of doing this. Operation Rudolph. And it's warning people not to put presents under the tree because otherwise it's practically a big advert that under your tree there are large items that may cost quite a bit of money. And that you certainly won't be opening on Christmas morning if they all get stolen overnight. They're saying that having presents under the tree, it just makes it very easy for burglars. Um, that they can take a look, you know, through your windows when you've got the lights on and the, the curtains open. And think, oh, some of those prezies look nice and big and possibly quite exciting. And you may wake up the next morning to find a kind of Santa in reverse situation that all the prezies are gone. This seems to me to be such an awful thing for anybody to do. Who would go and pinch a child's presence from under the tree? Uh, but what they are saying, they, they've given a whole lot of a um, whole lot of advice as part of Operation Rudolph. I'm, I'm I'm sort of giggling about it, but I suppose the fact is, if there is a lot of extra theft at Christmas, it does also make a lot of work for the police. So just for once, the police may have a point. Okay, there I'm prepared to concede some something that the, the police just for once have a point. What well, they are saying: do not leave presents under the tree. Close the the curtains when it's dark. Closing the curtains when it's dark seems to me just to be sensible. Be careful what you post on social media. Don't publish your location or expensive presents. It is a bit of a trend now um, to post photographs of the tree with all the lovely prezies under it. Um, and I can see maybe that's not a great idea if you also have a lot of markers on your social media account saying where you live. And it's amazing how much people betray about their where they live in their neighbourhood and things like that. So, OK, I get the point. PDCCO, not an issue in our house. I dare anyone to break in here. There we go. There's a, okay, there's a challenge. <laughs> PDCCO is setting up a challenge there, throwing down that gauntlet. Um, OK, this is this makes me think of Home Alone. Um, buy a timer so lights come on even if no one is home or leave a lamp on. Doesn't that feel a bit Home Alone to you? Lights coming on and off and burglars just memorising the times when they come on, you know. When shopping, keep valuables in a zipped pocket or bag, not in your back pocket. Well, again, do people really do silly things like leaving their wallets in their back pockets? 
just saying, but, you know, maybe people need to re be reminded. Record the serial numbers for expensive presents and keep receipts. Okay. Mark bikes with postcodes and register them. To be honest, I always did that with my bikes. And when my bike was stolen, they never found it. But yes, there is some common sense to this. On a Christmas or New Year night out, plan your route home beforehand. Yeah. Um, make sure you have enough money for a taxi. Only use marked taxis. Tell people where you're going and what time you'll be back. Well, to be honest, the whole thing about having enough money for a taxi for young people, that is very good advice. There is a huge problem here, and I'm sure something similar occurs in the States, that um, taxis have to be registered. They have to be licensed. But unlicensed taxis tend to be a lot cheaper. And so particularly young women sometimes will take the risk of just taking a much cheaper ride home. But unlicensed taxis are always very risky because you don't know if the person is genuine. You don't know if you're safe. Um, and there are cases of abductions and rapes every year where girls get into unlicensed taxis it's just it's not a good idea it's, it's like getting into a stranger's car you, i mean it is getting a straight into a stranger's car you don't know for sure that you can trust the person with a registered taxi at least you know you've got some kind of insurance um yes pdcco having said not an issue in our house denise m to be met with the muzzle of a firearm i presume same here um, we, I'd like to say we have a ferocious dog should anyone try to rob us, but I, I don't really fancy Little Monty's chances um, if we had a burglar. Um, we were always, um, as you know, because we don't tend to own firearms over here, but when I was growing up, we had a big dog. So burglary was not something we worried about. Our dog was the most stupid animal. I mean, the most stupid, docile Labrador cross you could possibly imagine. But, you know... Burglars didn't know that, or potential burglars, and big black dog barking his head off. You know, it was enough to put off most people. And in fact, the only time he ever got really ferocious was when he thought that we were under attack. And even a docile dog, big dog, if he knows that his territory is, uh, is under attack and his master is under attack, will become very aggressive yeah, the the only time I saw my dog, you know, really growl and bare bare his teeth and look quite ferocious was when he thought I was in danger. Um, it's incredible the transformation. PDCCO dog is a great option. Oh yes, I mean, so I only have a tiny little dog, but if I lived alone, I would have a big dog. D definitely, you know, if, uh, particularly if I was living in a a rough area or just in a more remote area. So we think that Prezi's under the tree is not something to worry about particularly. Um, it's also, frankly, when it comes to which area you live in, we live in quite a nosy neighbourhood, which is in many ways an advantage. It means that people are always twitching their curtains. And if somebody started trying to climb in through our window, the likelihood is somebody would notice. Um, you know, we don't need the neighbourhood watch and things like that that you get in some places. Do you have that you know, neighbourhood watch where you all watch out for each other? We, we don't need any organised neighbourhood watch. You know, people just look and they notice all sorts of things. So, yes, I, I don't worry in our neighbourhood especially. Um, and where my parents live, being a an army town, most of their neighbours are ex-military 
you know, I just I just have this feeling they'd be okay. I mean, our next door neighbour when I was growing up was a retired sergeant major who'd been blown up by the IRA. You know, he was he was a pretty tough cookie. Um, on the one occasion, somebody wandered into our garden. Um, my mother phoned phoned him up and said, "Bob, there's a, there's somebody, there's a man in my garden. There's a man in my garden. My husband's away." Um, and yeah, Bob was there in a trice, and um, dodgy gentleman w- was not there equally in a trice it is 21 minutes past the hour you are listening to the early show with your hostess Fiorella de Maria if you have missed the show so far never fear you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast same day from a crusademax.com we are talking about oh it was panto season over the weekend and it was wonderful and I cried watching my children perform anyone else want to admit to getting a bit tearful when they see their children or their grandkids performing in a play anyone feel completely overwhelmed with pride but also talking about this rather sad story we have um the lincolnshire police uh over here have launched operation rudolph in which they have offered a whole lot of advice for people to avoid being the victims of crime over christmas including some quite sensible things like you know make sure you've got enough money for a taxi only used marked taxis Uh, Plan your route beforehand if you're going out, but also do not leave presents under the Christmas tree. It is an advert for burglars. And this just seems to me such a a joyless piece of advice and so sad. But it seems to me that um, some people in the chat room have other options for protecting their property, like um, like shotguns and things. Um, I pointed out that a dog is a pretty useful way of keeping burglars out. In fact, I did read somewhere that criminals tend to avoid houses that have dogs even if they're little dogs because it's not just that the dog may attack them um it's the noise it's that a dog even a small dog will bark and bark if they hear someone coming into the house and you don't want to wake everybody up so dog is a good option if you want to protect your property um and they they were quite um the, the, the police were aware of the way the advice might sound. Um, Superintendent Phil Baker of the Lincolnshire Police, who was launching this campaign, said, you know, we're not being Scrooge-like. We're not saying, you know, ruin your Christmas by not putting your prezies under the tree. But do please keep safe. You know, it will be very devastating for your children if they wake up on Christmas morning to broken glass and no prezies. Um Yes, uh, Maggie's saying even little dogs make too much noise. Bingo. And and it's all all about um, what I heard, in fact, with, with burglars is that most burglaries, um, the, the burglars are only in the house for a couple of minutes. They keep it very, very quick for obvious reasons. Um, they just go in, they snatch whatever they can. It's electronics they tend to be interested in uh, the days of stealing you know antique carriage carriage clocks unless they've cased the joint and know what they're looking for they'll, they'll go for electronics as a first you know laptops and phones and whatever um but they are in the house for a very short amount of time so even doing little things like closing all the doors all the interior doors before you go to bed will slow down a burglar um, and make it less likely that they will get away with very much it's just making it making the process as laborious as possible. They won't hang around. Um, oh, Dr. Torres, good morning. Are we talking about the neighbour whose dog is called Bingo? Well, the dog called Bingo in Britain was owned by a farmer. The farmer and his dog, his name was Little Bingo. 
but who knows? Bingo seems to me a really good name for a dog. Though if I had got my second dog, you know, I was pining for a second dog recently. It's okay though. My friend's puppies all found lovely new homes, which did not include mine. But if I had got that little dog, I would have called him Paddington. Um, Bluey, I'm not sure, Scotty Bobby. Isn't Bluey a shark, a shark or a, a, a dolphin or something? Or am I wrong about that one, as usual? Maybe it means something else this side of the Atlantic. So I think, are we, are we um, of the view that we should keep putting our prezies under the tree then, but make sure that the house is nice and secure? Sounds like a plan to me. Funnily enough, I'm just, just to really get you in the Christmas spirit, um, I'm very close to finishing my latest murder mystery, and it involves a a murder that's made to look like a bungled burglary, but it wasn't a burglary, so there. Um, oh, Bluey is a cartoon. It's, I thought it was, isn't, but isn't Bluey, is Bluey a dog? Or is Bluey, a, I thought Bluey was a, a sea creature of some kind. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It's, um, wrong generation. Dr. Torres, I'm a country boy, so the neighbour would likely be a farmer of some kind. Yeah, same with me. Um, as a child, your neighbours were, your neighbours were, yes, ex-army or actual army or farmers. Um, pretty good neighbours, to be honest. Um, Philip says, this sounds like a good teaching moment since I can't afford much. I'll just leave the window open and tell the boy all his expensive presents were stolen. <laughs> Philip, that would be beastly. Um Okay, it's it's a it's an Australian kids program. Scotty Bobby's saying okay, but but is Bluey a dog? I'm I'm still not sure what character Bluey is. I do remember Skippy the bush kangaroo was quite um was quite a big deal. The really sad thing is we had some wonderful children's cartoons from Australia uh, when I was a child, um, but unfortunately a, a fair number of them were, were voiced by Rolf Harris who was a national treasure until he was exposed as a pervert um, so uh, a lot of those uh, really beautiful cartoons have, have completely disappeared uh, along with everything Rolf Harris did uh, Scotty Bobby, yes it's a dog, okay Bluey the show fo follows Bluey, an anthropomorphic six year old blue healer puppy, okay right who's characterised by her abundance of energy imagination and curiosity about the world sounds like a wonderful children's programme, sounds perfect I don't know why I thought Bluey, I sort of thought I just immediately, Bluey and Australia I thought the sea, but there we go but that sounds like a beautiful program. Um, oh, uh, Denise M says, what surprises me is Bluey's a girl dog. I always see it as a him. I assumed Bluey was a him, but for no particular reason. No idea why. Um, there we go. So Bluey is obviously one to look out for. I think possibly uh, Bluey is quite popular in Britain now, but I haven't come across it because I think it only crossed over to Britain just when my children weren't watching stuff like that anymore. Um, oh, because dog is blue. Yes, Maggie's, yeah, that's absolutely right, isn't it? Because the dog is blue, people immediately think boy. There is no reason, by the way, why boy and blue should be associated. Um, it only happened in the 1920s with the birth of um, a royal prince, I think, a, li a, little, a little boy. Um, and I think, the, I think the story goes that the... Originally, blue was a girl colour and pink was a boy colour, but that it got it, the, the trend got set by um, the birth of a prince, and he wore blue. Therefore, all boys started to wear blue, and blue and pink have now become the boy girl colours. 
Um, but that's and it's not the case in some parts of the world. Um, a friend of mine admitted to being mortified when he was in India and uh, he was given a pink rosary. And an Indian student was saying, well, it's just a bright color. It's just not associated with girliness or anything else at all. It's just nice color. Um, okay. Dr. Torres has put a sign up here. Attention burglars. And there's a picture of a, I think that's a shotgun, is it? Um, Please carry ID so we can ident identify next of kin. Okay. Well, I have seen in, in my parents' neighborhood signs, you know, you know, the traditional sign, beware of the dog. That's that's our equivalent over here. Beware of the dog. Um, but one of their neighbours has a picture of an Alsatian with really free, a cartoon Alsatian, huge, ferocious teeth. And it's um, enter and be eaten. Um, and another one says the remains of any burglars, of any trespassers will be prosecuted. Um, so, yes, yeah, similar idea. Here we are. Phillips put Bluey up. That looks really sweet. Well, you know, my little niece is probably at the age to be watching Bluey, so I shall suggest Bluey to my sister. And then when little Raffi comes to stay, I can watch Bluey and use her as an excuse, which is, let's face it, what we all do when we're looking after children. There we go. It is that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest and get the chance to win one of over £5,000. Sorry. $5,000 worth of prizes go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. There are girls' prizes, boys' prizes, perhaps there are even blue and pink prizes. Who knows? Now, it is, before we go to the ad break, it is Noodle Ring Day. I have never come across Noodle Ring before. But anything involving pasta, and I gather you can make noodle rings with pasta in which case they become pasta rings. I do eat a lot of pasta, and actually pasta is the staple food in my family, what with me being a bit of a Latin. So I think I might even try a noodle ring today. I have a bunt cake mould. I will, I will make myself a noodle ring, and I will make a photograph. I'll take a photo of it when I have cooked it, and I will put it in the chat room tomorrow. There you go. I think this might be the first time I base the dinner I cook on something I have come across in the chat room, that it is National Noodle Ring Day. If you are a pasta eater, does anyone eat pasta? Because it can't just be me. Come on. There must be people who enjoy a good pasta dish. Because I was reading when I was preparing for the show that apparently, um, well, we all know that, you know, pasta is very popular, that there are over 600 types and shapes of pasta around the world. 600 different types and shapes, which leads me to ask the obvious question. What is your favourite type? Do you have a favourite? Oh, those are noodle rings. Now, those look like... I, Maggie, are those are noodle rings. Okay. Um, I've never seen them like that before. Never seen those before, ever. Uh, Mary's Dowry, I love pasta. Hooray! Uh, long live the Mediterranean for giving the world pasta. Philip, love me some pasta. Maggie, love pasta any type. This is a popular food. Hooray! Oh, Jacqueline, bunnies! Lots of lovely bunnies. Hey, rabbit pasta. Rabbit spaghetti. No. Um... And Maggie's saying I'm an equal opportunity pasta eater, so you don't have a preference. Oh, I I would really struggle to to tell you my preference. I do love pasta so much. Um, 
I'm going to have a think about that over the ad break. And maybe you should all think about that too. What is your favorite kind of pasta? Do you have a favorite? If you were to make yourself a noodle ring, pie, cake, whatever you call that, what pasta would you use? Anyway, we need to go to an ad break now. So stay tuned, please. And look at lovely pictures of bunnies in the chat room. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary and your adorable pictures of animals and your pictures of crazy Christmas decorations. Don't forget that, please. Your pictures of Christmas decorations should all be up in the crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. We have 23 chatters in the chat room. We can double that by the end of the show. Easy peasy. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation about Christmas presents under trees and what kind of pasta you like to eat. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. and insomniacs and the Grinch and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. For those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary and your cute pictures of bunnies and things at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation as you enjoy a warm, hearty breakfast. Apparently, the chosen beverage, the beverage of choice for the winter these days is hot chocolate. It's what we all dream of when we want something nice and hot and soothing. The choice is hot chocolate. And I'm pretty sure I drink a lot more hot chocolate during the winter months than any other time of the year. There is something just so cosy and naughty about a hot chocolate. But 
If you are just joining the show, never fear, you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about, as the intro music suggests, Lincolnshire Police in Operation Rudolph, setting out some ideas for how to keep safe and how not to be a victim of crime over Christmas. And one of them is do not put Christmas presents under the tree because it's an advert to burglars that you've got lots of lovely, quite expensive goodies just waiting to be nicked and that it wouldn't be very nice for your children to wake up in the morning to broken windows and no prezzies under the tree. But this has not gone down well in the chat room. The general feeling is keep your house secure by whatever means necessary. Um, I mentioned the presence of a dog tends to ward off any would-be intruders. Now, it is also uh, National Noodle Ring Day. I had never come across noodle rings before, but they seem like a very good idea. I may even cook one tonight. But I have been asking, what is your favourite pasta? What is your favourite pasta? Oh, by the way, before I go into some of the very interesting selections people have made in the chat room, what is your favourite pasta? Listening to the song about the Grinch made me smile because, um, as anyone who's ever been to an ice rink knows, the ice has to be resurfaced every so often. And the machine, it's like this huge sort of car that drives around the ice rink, spreading water and smoothing over the ice. It's called the Zamboni. And... Halfway through the panto, because obviously there's a lot of skaters on there churning up the ice, during the interval where everyone's getting their ice cream and their hot chocolates and all the rest and making themselves comfortable, the place has to be, the, the rink has to be resurfaced. And the person who was driving the Zamboni was dressed up as the Grinch to provide a bit of extra entertainment. And as he was driving round, smoothing over the ice, all the children were going, boo! It's the Grinch, it's the Grinch. And according to my children, the Grinch then crept backstage and all the cast, particularly the younger ones, started screaming. So I think the Grinch obviously ha has a role in Christmas preparations. I'm, I'm not sure entirely what, but seems to entertain everybody. Um, yes, lots of people seem to like pasta. Uh, PDCCO saying, Bucatini, favourite kind. Dr. Torres has lots of favourites. Spaghetti, Ziti, Cavatappi and Cavatelli. And the King Dude is saying, making homemade pasta is an art we can all try and learn. No, sorry, life is too short. I get through kilos worth of pasta in my house. There is no way I am making my own pasta. Absolutely no way in a month of Sundays am I going to do that. Um, my nana used to make her own ravioli, um, what we call ravioli. Um, but even then, I think she probably got the cases and you just stuffed your own um, how, however you wanted them. That's the only time I remember seeing her making pasta. Um, so it's, it's so fiddly. It's so time consuming. No, thank you very much. Um, Maggie is advertising a show. It's called The Shape of Pasta on Roku. A Roku original. This show is so informative and fun to watch. I have never come across this before. I can't believe it. It's wonderful to think there was an entire show about pasta. Perfect. Uh, 
that is such a good idea because, of course, yes, pasta is very regional. Um, we don't think about that, you know, when you go into the supermarket to get your bags of pasta. That's a really, really good idea. Um, yes, Denny Singh, that looks interesting. I I'm, will have to look that up. I like travel programs and I like food programs. So a program where someone travels around Italy learning about how to make different kinds of pasta sounds like the perfect program, frankly, just, just the sort of thing I would like to look at. Uh, Dr. Torres has got some photographs of pasta. Here, Cavatelli. There we are. Um, Denise Sam saying, I like the look of that. Mary's Dowry saying, I've never heard of it, but it does look good. The King Dude, the Grinch is the greatest Christmas burglar of all time. Do you know, I've never even watched the film about the Grinch that stole Christmas. It's become one of these iconic Christmas figures. I've absolutely no idea, other than that he's not very nice. Um, Dr. Torres saying, I saw a nonna on YouTube cooking some with sauce and some with broccoli. Looks great. Yeah, I, I can, I'm sure homemade pasta tastes amazing, but I don't think I've ever properly had it apart from my, my own nonna's ravioli. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure I could ever have the time and patience. Sorry. Um, oh, Denise, I'm saying, oh, I'm not a broccoli fan. I love broccoli. It's, it, broccoli, funnily enough, is one of those vegetables all my children are very happy to eat. So I do cook it a lot, as you can imagine. Ah, Maggie, is this your T-shirt or just one that you've got off the internet? There's the Grinch. Ooh, people. Yeah. The King Dude saying it's not that difficult, but it's got to be time consuming. I don't imagine it's difficult, but it's got to be time consuming, you know, feeding the, the, the dough through the machine and everything i don't know i just think it would drive me crazy um oh you're wearing this sweatshirt right now maggie okay it's a sweatshirt not a t-shirt right um denise i saying i just realized today my daughter-in-law is being induced and my fifth grandchild will be born it's a boy i believe will be named um kaylin rain if i said that right um my son and wife, number two, don't see us very much. So I don't know when I might get to meet this new baby. Oh, I do. Uh, I do hope you get to see him soon. Oh, and by the way, quick update. I asked you all, please, to pray for my friend's baby. It's baby number seven, baby Jude, who unfortunately became very seriously ill with sepsis not long after birth. And the good news is he has been discharged from hospital. He has to go back for more blood tests and um, investigations on Thursday. But he's home and he's improved. So thank you so much for your prayers. Do keep them going for baby Jude. But it seems that he is on the mend and should uh, should keep improving. Um, OK, I'm going to admit, um, Philip, these ravioli look really interesting. Um, sort of, it's egg ravioli with... Morels, bacon, and sage. Yeah, I, I could imagine making those. I, I'm just, I'm just wondering how messy it could get. I, I just, from a, a professional doing it, it always looks so straightforward. I could just imagine that getting very unpleasant. The, the egg bursting, um, and and yolk everywhere, and all, all of the rest. Maybe I'm just being a bit cynical. I'm sure it's possible to do, but it does look very good. Okay. Aha. Uh -huh, here we are. Um, Maggie, both of these are so very good. The Shape of Pasta, Stanley Tucci, Searching for Italy. Okay, highly recommend it if you, both of you enjoy cooking, wine, cheese, etc. I will look them up if they're available in Britain. Um, Lady Bella, I mean, I'm a big f fan of the bow tie pasta myself. Farfalle, yes, it's very good. Yeah, the texture is good. Now, I like... 
Um, oh no, PDCCO's pasta is saying e pasta is easy to make. Pierogi. Now that's uh, that's an art. Okay. All right. Well, maybe maybe it's another of don't deny before you try. Maybe I should have a go at making pasta and see if I. It's one of those never never looking back kind of moments. But I do have a few books to write as well. I'm very fond of spaghetti. It's a it's a good versatile pasta that. Um, and my children are now out of the really messy stage. I stopped cooking spaghetti when they were very little because it used to just end up everywhere. I used to actually have to strip my my son's t-shirt off and get him to uh, um, get him to eat it, you know, bare chested just to make the cleanup operation easier afterwards. But they're all pretty grown up these days. They can cope with it. I do love good spaghetti. And I can use spaghetti to make um, a Maltese pasta dish, which is a bit like noodle ring, I think, um, just a different shape called uh, taria, which is baked pasta. Uh, and it's with eggs. It, it, it seems to me to be very similar to noodle ring in terms of what's in it. You know, there's yes, eggs and milk and cream and cheese. Uh, it's a really delicious, and the children love it. It's a nice Friday meal, nice nice meat-free Friday meal. Um, I do like penne just because even though it's a bit boring, it is very versatile. You can do all sorts of penne. Not so keen on fusilli. I find it can get a bit soggy. But there we are. A Mary's Dowry. I love spaghetti carbonara. My children would eat nothing but spaghetti carbonara, given um, given a chance, I think. It's pretty much, I think, their favourite kind of pasta. I love spaghetti uh, carbonara. I do love proper spaghetti bolognese as well. Um, though I had a really nasty moment cooking spaghetti bolognese years ago because... You forget sometimes... Um, I don't know the way it is with, with pasta in the States, but... One of the things, if you're from the Mediterranean, pasta is just the basis. You, you throw all sorts of things into sauces, including things you've got to get rid of, you know, that you, you, you're, you don't want to waste. Um, and I made spaghetti bolognese once for the children and my daughter's Muslim friend was round and the mother had said, look, it doesn't matter about halal and all the rest. Just make sure she's not eating pork. Fine. Uh, spaghetti bolognese is beef. I'm serving it out and I'm suddenly thinking, I have a nasty feeling. I put bits of bacon in this um, and fortunately the, the day was saved, but I've been a lot more careful after that when I'm feeding people with dietary requirements. When you don't have any yourself, you kind of forget. You don't sort of think about what you're putting into the dish. Uh, Philip, that is what that ravioli recipe looks like when it's open. Wow, that does look quite something. Maggie's saying, I don't know how I feel about that pasta with an egg in it. I don't know. Um, I still think it would just get very, very messy. But who knows? Um, yeah, spaghetti carbonara is a big hit, isn't it? And it's so easy to make. It's just so easy to make. But pasta generally is um, is very easy to make. And it's filling. The classic Maltese dish um, is a pasta dish. It's called timpana. And it's actually baked pasta in a pie, which some people find ludicrous as an idea. Again, it's meant to be very filling. It's a traditionally poor country fare. Um, pasta with eggs, with cheese, with some meat if you have the meat, with chopped tomatoes, with some herbs, a little bit of salt and pepper, 
and it's got a nice crusty pastry no no fine fiddly pastry in malta you roll the pastry around into a big crust and maybe put some sesame seeds or something on top for a bit of extra texture in the oven it goes and that will feed a hungry family for not too much um, and it's still a big favorite in our household um got lots about pasta coming in here oh um philip is saying the the egg ravioli it's like eggs benedict with poached eggs yeah, I can sort of imagine it. Um, Philip is a first time I try it, I'll be shirtless. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, come on, did nobody else do that with their very young children? If you're going to be feeding them something a bit messy, just strip them off first. I mean, you know, if it's warm enough, no one's going to mind. Um, Louise, I love spaghetti noodles with lots of butter, olive oil and grated parmesan. Sometimes I add sautéed shrimp and wilted spinach. Very good. Yes, uh, spinach is another of those vegetables that's very good. Um, my children aren't so fond of it, but in small quantities, I can get them to eat it. Uh, I, I rather like eggs Florentine. And in fact, Florentina pizza, uh, which has spinach and an egg, in fact, in the middle. Dr. Torres is saying, I really like the Sip and Feast guy. He's got a YouTube channel, plus he and his wife have a podcast now. Okay, so he's a good cook, is he, right? Um, Dr. Torres saying, I've tried some of his recipes. Really great stuff. Maggie saying, I made that type as a side dish often since I have a beautiful herb garden. I do spaghetti noodles with garlic, olive oil, basil, and fresh Parmesan cheese on it. For a kick, I add crushed red peppers. Well, that's that's a nice that'd be a nice twist to it, I think. Um, CRM one one four. We have manicotti with meat sauce every Christmas day. Oh, that's that is your Christmas dish. That's interesting. Okay, um, Maggie saying also great with small cherry tomatoes cut in half. Man, now I'm starving. Food. We got onto food so early today. This is obviously a really good sign. We all love food the Fiorella Files foodie early show there we go let's just let's just forget about anything else and just talk about food Mary's dowry saying I want to went to an Italian restaurant and had tortellini with prosciutto and onions sauteed in olive oil with fresh parmesan it was delicious I bet it was I do I, I love going to Italian restaurants but because so much Maltese cuisine is influenced by Italy. It's almost a bit of a busman's holiday going off to a um, going to a, an Italian restaurant. I'm thinking, oh no, but you should have added a bit of this, or you should have added a bit of that. You know, it's. I, I generally we go to restaurants with other cuisine just to open things up. Not that we go to restaurants very often, to be quite honest. We really have noticed. I mean, a lot fewer people are eating out at the moment because of the financial situation especially this time of year, a lot of people are counting the pennies and you are noticing fewer people eating out, going out. The high street is quieter. We even noticed, you know, we have a, a tradition uh, when the panto is on that the skating club sells flashies. You know, this, okay, it's plastic tat with flashing lights, you know, um, to raise money for the club, you know, to increase opportunities for young skaters. And, in previous years, a lot of people have bought them for their children. And you can see them, you know, when, when you're sitting in the audience, you see the sea of lights, you know, blue and yellow lights and green lights uh, flashing everywhere. But this year, we really noticed far fewer people buying them for their children because it's just 
it's just one extra cost and the cost of just going to a show is expensive um Louise saying, I like Justin Wilson's Cajun macaroni salad. Also, he was such a wonderful character. Rest his soul. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm just glad that pasta is, is a thing. You know, it's something we all enjoy. And it's just a hearty dinner. And it can be so very delicious with minimal effort. I'd like to say, oh, another pasta I like. Um, it's a little bit. Is it pasta? Is it not? It's gnocchi. Because it's potato, I'm not sure if it quite counts. But I'm quite fun, fond of gnocchi, but only in small quantities. I, it can also be quite stodgy, gnocchi. So you have to just, in moderation, it's not like pasta, which I could just eat all the time. Um, now, it is also International Mountain Day and National app day and national stretching day well i don't know about you but i stretch every day i have to do a lot of stretching because of my arthritis i have to try and keep myself moving and if i don't do plenty of stretching and working out i do feel it quite a bit later but as international mountain day goes are people fond of the mountains did, did anyone here feel this urge to go mountaineering, to go conquering Everest or anything like that? Please, please don't. Apparently, they, they would really love it if you didn't keep climbing Everest. It's become such a tourist attraction that um, it, it's, it's actually become a, a bit of a problem for the local area. So maybe not Everest. But does anyone here feel this urge to climb a mountain? I don't at all. But I do love mountains. I just think they're so beautiful in terms of landscape. What, what a wonderful reminder of God's grandeur is a mountain. I like looking at them. I do not wish to climb them. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment set in northern Italy. And one of the reasons I've set it there is because I do love the mountains so much. And when I went to the lakes, it wasn't the lakes. It was the mountains that drew my eye. There's just something about the poetry of mountains that's just so incredible does anyone else feel that way? Or would you rather be sitting comfortably in your house with a plate of pasta than mountain gazing? Um, Louise saying, that sounds wonderful. I'll add the basil and red pepper next time. There we are. You see, we're, we're giving each other suggestions for the perfect pasta dish. Lady Bellamine, I don't want to go climbing mountains, but I've been in places that have no mountains and it's the landscape is different. I, um, the landscape I really like, living in an area that has mountains around me. Sorry, getting the puncture it's the landscape is so different i really like living in an area that has mountains around me i think there's something about lifting your eyes to the mountains like the psalms somehow you're just reminded of the big picture it's the hugeness and the, the glory of the mountains just it's a reminder isn't there something very spiritual about a mountain landscape if that's not too pretentious first thing in the morning it is one minute past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. And if you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We are talking about, sort of, the police in Operation Rudolph warning people not to keep their presence under the tree so as to avoid giving burglars an easy ride. If they see lots of nice, big, shiny boxes, burglars might just think, oh, there's lots of lovely goodies under the tree. Someone earlier was suggesting that he'll leave the windows open on Christmas Day and try and convince his family that all the prezies got stolen. That's one way of dealing with it. Um, it is also Noodle Ring Day. We're having quite the conversation 
um, about pasta and what is your favorite pasta dish. And also it is International Mountain Day. Do you feel this urge to climb a mountain? I certainly don't. Or do you love mountains? I do so love mountains. As long as I'm at the bottom of the mountain looking up, I'd rather not be up there. Thank you very much. Um, PDCCO. Oh, there we are. Beautiful picture of the mountains. Philip saying mountains are so pretentious, always looking down on us. They should all be bulldozed. Just kidding. They are all lovely to look at. It's true. They do give you a sense of your own size, don't they? In, in, in the grand scheme of things, there was just something huge and haunting about mountains. Um, and I'm trying to think of films that are set in the mountains, of that iconic scene in um, The Sound of Music, you know, when they're climbing over the mountains. There's just something about mountains, isn't there? Okay, it's not just me. Okay, it's also National App Day. Now, come on, is there anybody listening who does not have apps running on their phone that have some kind of an impact on their lives? We are ruled by apps these days. There are millions of the things, apps for every occasion. I discovered yesterday that I have an app on my phone that measures my steps. I'm quite glad I didn't know that before. Um, SC Iceman saying, I hike 15 miles every other year of the Appalachian Trail. Well, that's incredible. I mean, do you, what sort of preparations do you have to make for, for hiking in the mountains? I'm guessing you have to make sure you've got plenty of water. Um, how do you navigate? Do you use a GPS or is it too high? Do you have to, you know, use a traditional compass and map? And uh, I'm curious to know, how do you plan a hike in the mountains? Having never done it myself. Um, Louise saying, yes, Philip, they are haughty. Um, that's it. If you were to give human characteristics to different bits of nature, now here's a, here's a little tangent to go down. If mountains are haughty, then what is an ocean? What is a valley? Well, how would you describe them in human terms? Patriot 21, Jacqueline makes the best lasagna I've ever had. No one will ever come close. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite an accolade. Lasagna is great as well. I find it a bit fiddly to make, to be honest. I'm quite lazy in the kitchen. I love cooking, but I, I don't like there to be too many steps. SC Iceman, easy to follow the signs, but I use a map. Okay, so it's a well-worn trail then, right? Oh, that's really interesting. Do you get bears in the Appalachian Mountains? Um, just I don't, know why, I don't know why I'm asking. It's not like I'm going on, on holiday to the Appalachian Mountains anytime soon, but PDCCO, there we are. Wow. Um. Denise M, I don't hike, but I love to look at the mountains. Don't have to go far in East Tennessee to see mountains. Okay, all right, yes, okay, there are but there are bears in the Appalachian Mountains. Wow. Um, gosh, I'm, that's got to be quite the adventure. Well, look, next time you do it, can you take lots of photos, please, and put them in the chat room? Black bears, wow. Um, is, there a, is there a sort of protocol for if you stumble upon a bear when you're out walking? Just... Just wondering, is it's not really something that happens much walking through the Wiltshire countryside. Um, what do you do? Do you you can't climb a tree, can you? Because they can climb trees. Just wondering. Um, Louise is saying the peaks of otter walking trails in the Blue Ridge Mountains the best place to hike. Um, SC Ice Mountain planning trip now. Yes, don't run. Okay, so do you stay still? Are you supposed to play dead or is that another myth I've heard somewhere? But yes, I, I gather not not running is a really good idea because they are really fast with those legs of theirs. Um, Philip, yes, definitely bears. Also mountain lions. Actually, I'm beginning to see all sorts of reasons not to go hiking in the mountains. Um, SC Iceman says black bears usually run away. Oh, well, there's a relief. 
that's it. And do you open your coat up? It's not, it's not, you're supposed to make yourself look huge to, to frighten off the bears. They're scared. There we are. That's one of those interesting details, isn't it? In nature, most of the time, the wildlife is a lot more frightened of us than we are of it. But it's hard to see it that way when something's looming over you with big teeth. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going mountain hiking anytime soon. But I do love to look at mountains, and I do love reading about life in the mountains and journeys through the mountains. And in my imagination, through this book, I am living out the best life in the mountains. There we go. Sort of on the subject of travel generally. We've done food, now let's do travel. Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May have just filmed their final grand tour. Their final grand tour. Oh, S.C. Iceman saying, um, I've only encountered one black bear and it's not interested in being near people. Oh, that's good to know. Um, yes, Jeremy Clarkson, Clarkson, Jeremy Clarkson, James May and Richard Hammond, probably three of the most famous presenters on British television and the most successful, arguably, group of presenters. It's quite common to have two presenters, you know, a double act. A triple act is much less common and much less likely to work. But somehow these three have been phenomenal together. They are three very, very different personalities, which helps. And um, sort of um, similar ages, 63, 60 and 52. And somehow or other, they just... They complement one another perfectly. They are this team. And they became famous as the presenters of Top Gear. And they really made Top Gear the programme, the worldwide phenomenon it became. Um, they began presenting Top Gear together in 2003. It was one of the most successful programmes the BBC ever produced. Um, that whole format has been exported around the world However, there were controversies, there were complaints, particularly surrounding Jeremy Clarkson. Eventually, Jeremy Clarkson was sacked. This was in 2015. After he thumped a producer, this, it was entirely his fault. Um, he was very controversial, Clarkson. He was always controversial. He was always getting into trouble, always um, letting his big mouth get the better of him. I don't get the impression he's a Particularly pleasant character, but no, no, let's not make any assumptions. I don't know the man. I don't know what he's like for real. Um, but yeah, he was constantly getting into trouble. But eventually, he did do something extremely serious. He assaulted a producer because he was angry because he couldn't get a hot meal. Believe it or not, they they'd been filming for twelve hours, got back to the hotel, desperate for something to eat, and were told, "Oh, sorry, the kitchens are closed now. There's only um, uh, there's only the cold platters available." And Jeremy Clarkson flew into a temper and after being extremely rude to the Irish producer, punched him. And the BBC really did not have much choice in the matter. They did have to sack him. They had to get rid of him because if you assault a colleague, that generally happens. And frankly, he could have ended up being arrested, but nobody was going to arrest Jeremy Clarkson. Eventually, he got his steak. The manager cooked it himself. Um, but he was forced to leave the show. And 
as a result of that, the other two presenters left because they were such a, a triplicate deal. You know, they didn't feel they could go on without Jeremy Clarkson. They were then snapped up by Amazon and they made the Grand Tour, which was a fairly similar uh, car program and very, very popular. Top Gear continued without the three, the famous famous three producers and uh, presenters and never really quite replicated its past success. It has now had to close because of the massive accident involving Freddie Flintoff. He was very, very seriously injured in a car crash while filming Top Gear. And it looks as if Top Gear may have perhaps had its day. But the three pre uh, presenters, I mean, they've been going on and on and on and on all these years, but they're now, two of them are in their 60s. Jeremy Clarkson is not in very good health. He's not looked after himself. So they have filmed their final grand tour. And it's really difficult. Uh, it's, it's really, really difficult to see it end because they have just been such a huge part of British and international entertainment for such a long time. And the idea of the three of them not working together again, is quite heartbreaking because they're, they're like brothers. Um, they're, they're so close. But all good things come to an end. And I'm sure they have made the right decision to end on a, a high note. Um, wow, lots of... Um, lots of comments come into the chat room. Um, sorry, I've been chatting away. And um, Philip is saying, oh, back to hiking. Make a lot of noise while hiking. You rarely get too close. You open your coat so the bear can get a clean mouthful. Okay, sorry. Yes, um, I was probably walking into that one. Um, yes, I, I was told, you know, you open up your coat to make yourself look much bigger. But uh, no, that doesn't seem to seem to work. Tahil Militia saying, I enjoyed watching Clarkson's Farm. Do you know, I really enjoyed watching Clarkson's Farm and I never imagined I would because I'm not a big Jeremy Clarkson fan. He, he was not my favourite pre presenter at all. I preferred James May's rather more, rather gentler, more self-deprecating Englishman kind of act. Um, but I really enjoyed Clarkson's Farm and they say that it did more to raise awareness about the difficulties farmers face than any other programme. There's a programme called Country File which is supposed to be about life in the countryside and particularly farming. And farmers hate it because they say it's just so patronising. It was designed by townies who haven't a clue. Whereas Clarkson's farm really showed farming as it is, the huge difficulties associated with just trying to keep the farm going, keep the show on the road. Um, so, yes, I will admit I did enjoy Clarkson's farm and I will probably watch the second series. Erin um, Akeem, I think... Appalachia has small wild cats like bobcats and wildcats, two different things. Do you know, I've no idea what a wildcat is. I mean, we use the term, I fought like a wildcat, but I don't actually know what a wildcat is other than that it's scary, I suppose. In many parts, the biggest issue is timber rattlesnakes. Do rattlesnakes? Oh, yes, the small, the small and scary and the small and stealthy is definitely the most dangerous. Um, I'm hearing about all sorts of monsters now. Um Louise saying, hiking in the mountains is lovely. Just watch out for... What's, what's Sasquatch? Am I saying that right, even? What are they? Um, Philip, I hope they do something else together. They are great. Those three presenters. Well, they've all had very successful solo presenting um, uh, careers since then. Um, Jeremy Clarkson with Clarkson's Farm and James May uh, with... Uh, these, you know, our man in Japan, our man in Italy. It's a travel programme. He's perfect for that. The slightly bumbling Englishman abroad. Um, he's he's just 
he, he was made for that kind of a role. I think out of the three, Richard Hammond has been the least successful. I mean, he's still been phenomenally successful, but I think he works best as a sidekick somehow. He was always good as the little guy, the funny little guy next to Jeremy Clarkson's harumphing old man act. Um, I don't feel he's been quite as successful solo somehow, but it would be lovely for the three of them to get together and do something else. Um, I'm sure they could devise something. Um, Tahil Militia saying, Bobcats, rattlesnakes, bears are regular sites at my parents' property in the NC Mountains. Right. Okay, that's that's really good to know. I'm 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 seeing. Look, if I do my book tour, could somebody be on rattlesnake duty while I'm there? I, I just the idea of waking up to find a rattlesnake wrapped around my neck sort of is, is beginning to fill me with a certain horror. Erin um, Akima, those many parts include where I live, where a location, a local town has a rattlesnake roundup every year. It's getting worse and worse. I think I'll stick. Somewhere south of London, thank you. Um, to heal militia, some people will say that there are still catamounts, but officially there are none left. Okay. Um, Alan RSV, 1958, good morning. Um, oh, uh, Alan saying, a 16-year-old boy in my daughter's class will be laid to rest today. If you would please pray for the repo repose of the soul of Nathan. Also, please pray for his family and his classmates and school. He died last Monday, so it's been a trying week. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. What a tragedy. That That is so, so sad. And I'm sure, uh, I, well, I can't imagine what his family are going through, but even for the class, that must be very tough. So please could everyone pray for the repose of the soul of Nathan and keep his family and his classmates in your prayers too. Tahil Militia saying in the US to fight on set is just good TV. Well, yes, unfortunately, the Clarkson punch up, it, um, it, it happened off, off camera. Um, and I don't know, I think only one of them was doing the fighting. Um, Jacqueline saying, you know, so sorry, prayers for Nathan. Will Nell 71, that face you make when you're already red pilled, but you just got even more red pilled. <laughs> um, Louise saying, Alan RSV, 1958, so very sad. God grants him eternal and gentle repose. Um, there is there is just something, something so sad about a young person dying. And I think virtually every young people has to go, go through that sort of experience of someone they know, um, someone in their class. You know, it, it's hard. Um, my son had a very good friend who was really sweet girl in his class at school died of leukemia um some years ago and it 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 really shook up the class they they were very badly affected by it um maggie's saying you're so sorry to hear that will keep the entire community in my prayers i think that's it yes just um this really pray oh louise bigfoot okay what you were saying that's it's called bigfoot now isn't bigfoot one of those uh monsters who it's not been Proved or disproved. Oh, I'm so sorry I've just seen the time. Mike, are you there? Have you been sitting in silence waiting for me to, to bring you into the show? I have been. Sorry, I've said the chat room has been absolutely buzzing. I, I've just I completely lost uh, lost track of the time um, listening to the engaging with the conversation. How are you this morning? Uh, and you want to bring me in when you're talking about dead 16-year-olds. Fantastic. 
Sorry. <laughs> I was actually hoping, like, no, you can keep going now. <laughs> <laughs> you can handle that one. You're wrong. Oh. Um, well, we, we can talk about the other things coming into the chat room, if you prefer. Things to do with bears and stuff like that. Uh, Scotty Bobby talking about Top Gear is a great financial success for BBC. Huge. Um, I loved Are You Being Served? Yeah, so that's a, that's a classic comedy. I want to know how you got to be uh, the bougie, uh, the, the English version of the bougie mom that uh, won't undertake the task of making a little bit of pasta. It's not that hard. Look, have you any idea how busy my life is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. It can be know, therapeutic just... for you. Therapeutic. Well, I find cooking quite therapeutic. Well, there you go. If you ever watch any of these shows where the Nonas make pasta, they all do the same thing. They've got a ginormous uh, center islands and a, and a huge kitchen. Uh, usually it's uh, a slate or something like that. And they just they put, throw a pile of flour down. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably, oh, oh gosh, I don't know, a couple of pounds. And yeah. then they carve, they, they take their hand, and so they make a little mountain of flour. Then they take their hand, and they make a kind of like a crater in the center of the flour. Mm -hmm. And they just start cracking eggs into it. Yeah. And I've, I've, seen, it, I've seen it being It's dark, incredible. Just... But they know exactly how much. Yeah. Yeah, those so nonas I, don't have measuring cups. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I just feel life is too short. It's like, uh, the, uh, the one of the other. Uh, if you watch that show that, that Maggie put in the chat room, one of the amazing things about that is how they roll them into the certain shapes. Mm. And if you don't make the pasta, if it's not the right consistency, then the shape won't. When you when you cook it, the, you'll lose the shape. Yeah. So it'll like get mushy. It'll turn into something that you don't want it to be, because they roll it pretty. When they roll it, uh, they make the when they make the pasta right there on site, they pretty much make it that day, and they don't. It, it doesn't get hard. They don't bake it. I mean, they cook it mm. that day. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. In, in its simplicity, it's incredible. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Do you have you ever made pizza dough? Pizza dough. Yes, I do that all the time. Well, it's the same thing. A, no, it isn't. It's much easier because I have seen things. I have a machine. Oh, you have a beater. You have a um, KitchenAid. Well, because I have. Well, no, what I have is I have um, a, a, a bread machine. But one of the many things it can ah, do. Okay, right, right. You yeah. can make. Uh, it can make. It can make dough. In fact, and I make just a pizza dough, and also um, sometimes bread dough if I'm making rolls or ciabatta or something like that. You know. Yeah, and if you come to the United States, you're not going to you're not going to come face to face with any rattlesnakes. Promise. Rest okay. assured. Right. I mean, unless you go on a rattlesnake hunt, and you go looking for them. I would not do that. It's not like they're crawling around all over the place. Oh, I see. So they're not, they don't sort of come into your house and things like that then? Well, I'm sure there are cases where a rattlesnake has made its way in, into your house. The thing is, uh, uh, a snake like that is primarily uh, its food are small mice, rodents, other snakes. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it, it's not a vegetarian. It eats only, it eats only other animals. Okay. So if you don't have no. now if you have a if you if you keep a cat around you're never you're probably never going to you won't have any rats or any snakes you have a cat around that's one thing cats are good for mm -hmm. yeah so I'm not, I'm not a cat I'm not a cat person I'm neither am I 
I'm, but I'm guessing that dogs probably chase away a lot of things like that. Dogs will keep them away because dogs will kind of go after them. And, of course, you know, dogs like to pee all over everything. Yep. <laughs> and mark their territory. So um, that's, uh, that's what... Um, yeah, sorry, Cesare, that, um, that link doesn't work. Uh, so carry on. Oh, doesn't okay. Um, carry on. Sorry. So uh, on Saturday evening we had an event here in uh, Southeast Louisiana. We had the Friars Minor of Saint Francis, or the Chabmineur, the the Chabmineur, uh, led by a friar whose name is Fra Anthony now, and they're mm-hmm. building a monastery, an abbey, right uh-huh. near Tar Heel Militia's home. Where where Tar Hill Militia and his and his wife live in uh, kind of the, the the foothills of the western part of North Carolina, the Friars are building an abbey there, and they came here because they have a bunch of supporters here, uh, but to do a fundraiser, and uh, Maggie and I went. I was the MC, and uh, they raised over fifty thousand dollars for for the abbey, um, uh, and they're going to, to to they're building it. There it is. There's the picture. Um, uh, yeah, and they're and they're going and they're building it old school. They're using timber framing. They're harvesting logs from the actual site, uh, from where the uh, the abbey is going. They're they're harvesting their own logs, and they I mean, they're they're just doing it like Franciscans should. It's an amazing thing to watch. Wow! And to know yeah. that yes, that we have that the orders are. Uh, I don't know if if there are any orders that are returning. In uh, the UK, you know, because UK was famous for the Carthusians and, and other uh, and other monastic orders. You had Saint Columba going all the way back to what third century, second century. Yeah, uh, it's very early. Yes. Yes, yes. So you um, know, you, Saint Columba brings the monastic life to the UK. I don't know if you have any revival of sorts, but there 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 was certainly one here in the United States. So well, hmm, I just sorry, this is a, a odd observation, but when they're building monasteries. There are so many old monastic buildings. Why don't they just take them over? Yeah, they, they, well, they could. Here, there aren't a lot of those monastic buildings. I mean, there are course, some. Yeah. Mm. There are some. But then, you know, in the, post, um, uh, in the post-Vatican in the I era, you have uh, bishops that exercise an awful lot uh, 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 more authority than they did in the past. And so, mm. you know, you if you place yourself under in a diocese and you try to do something like in a diocese, you know, you have to the bishop has to approve it. And uh, yeah. the, and for some of the more tra- traditional orders, that's an obstacle. But in any event, you can see um, in the picture in the chat room, there's there's Fra Anthony by the podium. That's yeah. Chef Gruel, who came all the way from California, donated his time. Uh, he and his wife and their sous chef from their restaurant in California, they came and they cooked uh, the, okay, so the farm, we were on a farm, and on that farm, they raised ducks. So we had fresh, uh, fresh uh, pan-roasted duck was the was the main course. Um, it was just wonderful. Um, chef Gruel and his wife provided the wine. They brought mm-hmm. like four cases of wine, and then at the end, uh, Maggie has the. She probably has. The, I don't know how how good the audio quality is. Have you ever heard Franz Bebel's version of Ave Maria? I might have done. I don't know. Okay, you would know it if you'd heard it. All right. Because okay, so it's a wonderful story. Um, so uh, Franz Bebel. It was a convert to the. Uh, was convert to the Catholic faith. 
and mm-hmm. he, um, so I, I, I want to say that he was a Lutheran, and uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe he was just an agnostic or an atheist or whatever. Um, so Bebel, uh, Franz Bebel, when he, uh, so, so when he converts, he, um, <clears throat> he's a conductor, you know, he's, he's a, 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 a composer and a conductor. And uh, as, uh, after he converts, he wants to, to write a, uh, a kind of a symphony uh, dedicated to Our Lady. So he got started with it, and he so he wrote the the, the song, the Ave Maria, which is kind of like are you, are you familiar with the different versions of Ave Maria? You know, you know the, the version, the most popular version is by Schubert. Yes. Okay. So let me play a, a, a minute of this for you. Okay. So I you can hear it's, it's simply yeah. beautiful. It's stunning. It's so beautiful. Well, that's not the Chanticleer one. That's where's my Chanticleer? Uh, you have to hear the, 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 because the Friars Minor actually sang this. And people were blown away because uh, 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 when you hear, because it, it, it happens in six parts, so you have to have you, you, you have to have six parts. Goes on for another five minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, so you, beautiful. Was it? So it. it, it uh, so that's. Uh, that's not dreadful, right? No, it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I they sang that at St. Paul's. I just. I. I find it. It. You know. It gives me. It. it sends chills down my spine. Oh, it'll make you weep if you it's hear the whole yeah, thing. It's, it's just. It's so beautiful. Um, have you ever seen? There's a on YouTube. There's footage of three Muslims, different gen- generations of the same family, grandfather, father, son, in a remote village, hearing Gregorian chant for the first time. No. And it's absolutely beautiful. No, I haven't um, seen it. It's abs- It's a really, really stunning uh, because you see the way they respond to it. Um. You know, even though it's it's a, such a completely different tradition to anything they've heard, uh, and particularly the grandfather, you can tell is obviously quite a quite a holy man. Um, 
It's sort of really taken with it. It, 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 It's interesting to me, uh, uh, fascinating, that uh, the Muslims are not hostile to Our Lady at all. No. To the Theotokos. Not at all. No, they, mm. uh, they, they they rather have a fondness for her, which is kind of ironic because uh, people don't treat it like, like it is. But, you know, the church declared back in the ninth century that Islam is a heresy. Mm. So, um, and, and so when you're talking about a heresy uh, uh, that's that profound and has survived for that long, it's a um, the uh, uh, the uh, the evil because there, there, there's always an evil component to it, right? And so you know, and during the Advent readings, we we, we got the one yesterday about or on, on Friday, of uh, the new Eve uh, from Genesis, or, or, or that I'll put enmity between you, your seed, and, and the seed of the woman, uh, and uh, the, of the type of Mary being uh, told in the book of Genesis, in which, in which she would come, she would, that he would strike at her heel, and she would crush the head of the serpent. So it's just kind of ironic to me that the, that the Muslims they they have a fondness for uh, for her. I mean, you know that Muhammad named his daughter Fatima. Yeah. So um, so obviously there is a Fatima in in Portugal. So I, I, I'm just uh, I'm mystified by this. You know, while uh, if you flip that. And you talk to a Talmudic Jew, though, you'll get the exact opposite. You know, you'll get yeah. the denier of Christ, and then they say really blasphemous and despicable things about Our Lady. Well, I don't know how any person that has a soul that is geared, uh, that, that can receive the real true beauty, can hear something like Beeble's Ave Maria and <laughs> just not be moved by it. I don't know how that's possible. No, it's... It, it's. I mean, that that was. I would never call. I would never call sacred music dreadful anyway. But I was. Me, I was kidding a, with you. Oh no no. But no no. But I mean, seriously, it's it's the sort of. I think really anyone with. I mean, we all have a spiritual side. We all have we, because we because we're human beings. I think. That sort of chant. It should just touch. On that. On the whatever tiny unspoiled spirituality a person has mm-hmm. you know it should it should just awaken something i think that's what's so beautiful about this video where you see these three that they're obviously very spiritual people and they respond completely naturally to it they don't have any preconceptions about it they don't even know initially what they're going to be listening to well so but here's one, one of the reasons that I, 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 that I brought people up uh, on Saturday night is that so we had 16 brothers there we had Fry Anthony and 15 brothers and they had been practicing this version of Ave Maria for a year since last mm-hmm. Christmas and they wanted to sing it and they sang it for us uh, a cappella I mean they, they, they didn't even have a tuning a, a tuning fork or anything and it was beautiful there wasn't a dry eye in uh, in the tent it is deeply emotional I, yeah, people, I, I, Folks, I, I wish I, I, I can't express to it Maggie filmed it, I mean she has video of it When you have religious people, you know, young men like that They're all young Very. Given yeah. their life to, to Christ, right? And yeah. have, taken, uh, have taken these vows And a vow, uh, whatever the Franciscan vows are and that, you know, the, the thing that was most important to them that they wanted to share with us that was the most important thing was singing that song for us. Mm. 
I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to be a Catholic at that point? <laughs> who would? Why wouldn't you want to? Why would you? Hey, whatever they go, those guys are on. I want some of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it, well, they they say that. Um, um, People that say contemplatives do say if people realized the joy there was in these places, that everybody would want to be contemplative. Everyone would feel drawn that way. You know, I had not heard that, but that makes yeah. com that makes complete sense to me. Mm. Um, uh, so uh, we had the recording of, of, of the Friars, the Frères uh, singing, uh, well, they, they sang two songs. Uh, they, they also took a version of St. Francis of Assisi's poem, The Canticle of the Sun, uh -huh. and they had it set to music, which I'd never heard before. Okay. And, and so they sang a version of the uh, St. Francis's Canticle of the Sun. It was just a wonderful evening. They raised a lot of money for a lot of good people. The third order uh, for this Franciscan order has over 350 members worldwide now. Uh, there's probably a hundred here yeah. in Southeast Louisiana alone. So um, uh, it, it was a wonderful way to spend a Saturday evening. And the only use for anyone that anyone had for a smartphone or for an app was to record the friars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that is lovely. No, it is. It is. And I'd like, I'd like to share it, share it with everyone. I wish everyone could go to an event like that. Yeah. No, I think this this is we should we should there should be more of this. So we're having, yeah, we're having. By the way, we're having a, a day of evangelization at my parish um, at the weekend. So, do you remember it in your prayers? Yes, yes. So, are so are the ice games over, or do they continue on for the rest of September, or December? Uh, well, the show is over. That 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 was happening over the weekend. So that's that's uh, that is now finished. However, um, training continues until Christmas, and then competitions start again in January. Fantastic. Well, I will leave you with the uh, to, to close up and with the remainder of Franz uh, Franz Bebel's uh, Ave Maria with uh, the men's singing scholar Chanticleer. Have you heard, have you heard of Chanticleer? Mm, no. I believe you might find them very very uh, pleasing. C-H-A-N-T-I-C-L-E-E-R, okay. -E -E Chanticleer. Right, okay. Uh, they're, right. They're, 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 they're uh, kind of like a traveling Scola band, if you will. All right. So okay. I'll leave you with that, and we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, have a good day. It is now 37 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from a very, very damp England. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I'll now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be.